0: Welcome you to episode 14 of Turning the Goldfields Green, the first in a two part series on beginnings and endings. Our topic for today is about beginnings. Babies are tiny, sleeping, feeding, and pooping machines. A friend of mine has just had one, and I was impressed to learn that they are using washable nappies, or diapers as they say in the US. It seemed to me that in choosing washables, you were signing up to a lot of work at a time when you were going to be exhausted and potentially overwhelmed. But I was chatting to Joan Webster when I was interviewing her about bushfire safety for episode one and realized that she probably did not have disposables available to her when she was a young mum. In fact, most parents for the majority of human history have not had disposables available to them. And many people in the world even now really don't. So on top of quizzing her about how to stay alive in a bushfire, I asked her about how she managed nappies back in the day. Then I spoke to my friends whose baby was one month old and they were right in the thick of it all, sounding tired but also still very positive about the choice to use washable nappies. And then I remembered another friend of mine had gone a step further than that. Several years ago, their child is five now, they had chosen to go nappy free. Stay tuned to hear what that is all about and how it worked out for them. But first, I would like to acknowledge that this program and all of the interviews on it were recorded on Judge awesome Country. I would like to acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging and recognise that they too lived successfully for millennia on this land without any such thing as a disposable plastic-lined baby poo catcher. Salt. Salt. Salt of the earth. Salt. 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 Grassroots.
1: Grassroots. Grassroots. Salt of the earth people. Grassroots
0: change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. If you haven't figured it out yet, this episode is all about faeces and urine. If you don't want to hear it, I will understand. This will probably be the last time we touch on the topic. We have now covered dog poo in episode two and washable human toilet paper and various water-based methods of cleaning up for adults like the bidet and the taboo in episode 10 called coronavirus and human Science. So if you love the topic, do check out episodes two and 10 as well. But today we are going back to the beginning and looking at how we can be more sustainable at the start of our human lives. Firstly, let's hear from Joan Webster, a fire safety expert who also happens to have lived in a time when everyone used washable baby cloths and without the convenience of a washing machine. Go back 50 years
1: and disposable nappies didn't exist. That's what I used for mine, (laughs) yes, because my daughters are that age now. Yes, so we had terry-towling ones and gauze ones. So how did that work? Like that was just the normal for how you dealt with babies and their waste? Oh yes, yes, and then you just you mostly didn't even have washing machines, you just had to, well we had gully traps though, or you had your laundry trough, if you were lucky, and you just had to scrape it away and wash it and dry it and put it back on again and start again. Two dozen terry towling and two dozen gauze. that's what we used to have.
0: So how did the terry towling and the gauze work together?
1: Um, the gauze ones were more, if, you know, if you use in the hot weather. Yes.
0: And they caught everything?
1: Was there leakage? Oh, yes, yes. Then people started to put plastic over the plastic pants over the top of that, but I wouldn't do that because you, you got scalding, the little skins got scalded mm. from the excreta.
0: So there wasn't enough breathing, so breathability. How much of your week do you or time do you think was spent dealing with? dirty nappies washing drying cleaning did you use bleach did you like what else went along with I didn't it use
1: bleach I just washed them you know rinse rinsed them and then washed them at one stage I didn't have a washing machine I had to wash everything in a bath but um, even before that you just had the copper you just boiled them up in the copper mm,
0: to and
1: then them. you no, everything got boiled up in the copper all your clothes that's how you did your washing you boiled them up you sorted them out for you ones that you could put in, the ones you had to do by hand. The ones you put in the copper and lift them out with a stick and put them into the trough and rinse them in this and put them with the wringer and rinse them in the other one. It took all Monday. So
0: washing day was a thing, washing because day, it took all day. Every day
1: had its own, own ritual Monday. was washing day, Tuesday was ironing day. Forget what Wednesday was. Thursday was shopping day, Friday was baking day.
0: Well, it's why, like the the sort of gender divide between the housewife and the working man existed because
1: the jobs of the housewife took were a full-time week and and going back before my time let's say to my grandmother's time all the all the clothes had to be made by hand mm. and mended so stitching and darning yes, and well we did mending you know you'd you had woollen socks and you had your little mushroom thing that you'd mend them with and learn how to darn properly and mm.
0: So in your lifetime, you've seen this change between the, the cloth nappies being the norm and that level, that load of work at, in the household domestic sphere being the norm to all of these conveniences coming in and disposable this and throw away that. And now we're starting to turn back around to try and find ways where we can live a less disposable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you see that happening do you see people letting go of the convenience uh, some some yes I don't get around to see a lot of people now but yes and I, I know quite a few who yes and I think myself every time I go in to do the washing I think oh I'm going to do the washing again and I think don't be silly you won't have to push a button.
0: That was Joan Webster, Order of Australia recipient and person who hand-washed her children's nappies. Next up, let's have a chat with Mark and Alex. This interview was recorded in January when their baby was only a month old. They were in the thick of it all and still feeling very positive about their washable nappies and the workload associated with it.
2: Do you want to come see? Are you going to record our uh, cloth nappy time? Just... Act as if I'm not here. But I wanted to make commentaries now I'm confused. Well, I would have made commentaries about the intricacies of cloth nappies anyway, I
0: would imagine. (laughs) Yeah, you would. I
2: generally do. (laughs) They hold um, excrement very well, I find, especially if you do them up properly or you put extra padding in. Mm. They do hold pretty good. I think, I don't know how long, like when he wheezes till he starts disturbing him, but it, it's got that like special layer, doesn't it, love? Yeah, it's got a
3: stay-dry layer. Stay-dry well, depends layer. on the
2: nappy, but yeah. Yeah, the stay-dry ones though, like, kind of like goes underneath micro, it or something. It's micro fleece and it just goes straight through. Yeah. But it's easy and we have a very easy system of, you know, just doing all that washing when we do it and having bags around the house and special sections to put all the pre wash dirty washing stuff. Yeah,
3: cool. Yeah, I don't think we need that bottle Maybe later, but maybe hold off on
0: it for now. Well, they they honestly look nicer than disposable nappies in terms of, like, they always have that sort of whitish, pale... Baby things going on on them, whereas this is a nice strong yeah. red. And I'm sure you yeah. can get all sorts of cool fabrics.
3: You can get heaps of different stuff. We yeah. got
2: one with um, really specific types of um, like edible and crazy mushrooms. Yeah, exotic that was mushrooms. I was just
3: telling, <laughs> telling yeah.
2: about. It's pretty amazing. But I appreciate that they're in solid colours like that. I think I mainly appreciate that they're just kind of solid and they're really easy to use. We got mm. so many kinds, mm. and they're all really easy to use. Uh, Most of them are clip-ins.
3: Apparently, they are known. As a general rule, to contain poo explosions more effectively than a disposable, so they're actually I'm not better. surprised by that. Unless there's yeah. like
2: massive, huge disposables with crazy extra durability, I don't know about. But mm-hmm. it's not around. We obviously looked in. We just wore a couple at the hospital once when we'd run out.
0: How old is your baby? Ah, uh, he's uh, a month old tomorrow. That's pretty special. So he's still pretty little, and you've been using reusable nappies since he was born.
3: Yeah, we um we popped the first one on him in the birthing suite. Like, yeah, I don't know it was like an hour and a half or something after he was
0: born. Yeah, we just didn't see any need to pop disposables on. So what made you decide to use cloth nappies or reusable nappies? Uh, well, we
3: don't generally try to be pretty environmentally conscious. Um, you know, like we don't eat animal products. We try and be pretty zero waste. And the idea of lots of nappies going into landfill and the amount of nappies that babies go through is colossal it really is it's just incredible the idea of i mean you know like i the disposables that i was in as a baby are still sitting in landfill now and i'm you know nearly 30 years old and they'll always be there they'll be there long long after i'm gone so yeah that was a big that was a big consideration for us and also um the cost you know people can easily spend 30 40 50 bucks maybe even more on nappies a week whereas you know we had an initial outlay of a few hundred dollars um and it can be as you know you can go second hand you can go, go designer, brand new you know there's all kinds of, of of levels to get into with reusable nappies and so yeah cost and environment were the biggest factors for us
0: and were you worried about the work that was in that would be involved with constant washing? Was that a concern? Not really. And that's probably because I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a
3: crazy researcher. I tend to do like a, just an intense amount of research into, into stuff before I try it. So I joined all of the groups on Facebook and read all the stuff online. And initially it was really overwhelming, but I was only about I don't know, twelve weeks pregnant at the time, so I had a long time to to figure out what I was doing. And you know, uh, by the time he was here, you know, I felt like I already had a really good handle on you know a wash routine. And really, it's like you just have to follow a routine, and it's a set routine that you figure out. And then it's a no brainer. It's not like you have to worry about it every time. You just have a set routine, and you make sure you stick to it. And you know, it's really not as hard as people think it is. Uh,
0: you've had an experience where you had to use disposables for a little while. Tell me how that was compared to your reusable experiences.
3: Oh, yeah, it was rubbish. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we had, to, we had an unexpected hospital stay where we ran out of cloth nappies and had to use some of the hospital disposables. And um, yeah, he went through about six of them in the course of, I don't know, in the course of three hours. You know, he leaked through them all and they were just kind of annoying and crappy and Yeah, the amount that he used, it's like, oh my God, you know, like if we were using them full time, it would just be mountains of, literally mountains of disposables. Mm -hmm. It seemed quite horrific, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important here to recommend like certain resources for for cloth nappies, because I think some people might go into it not knowing exactly what to do, and then they might run into problems with um, cleaning, and then they'll they might be overwhelmed and give up. So, um, absolutely the website that is just like the, just the pinnacle of nappy stuff for Australia is, um, clean and that has specific wash routines with detergents that have been tested specifically by the people who run the website. And, you know, they tell you exactly how many scoops you need to use and what temperature you need to use it at. And, um, uh, along with that, um, so it's cleanclothnappies.com, and then they also have a Facebook group where, um, where, you know, anyone can ask any advice, and the admins are also the people who are on the website, and so they can actually give you a really specific, they can either help you with your routine or they can give you a specific, you know, if you're having issues with um, nappy rash or issues with smells or stains or anything like that, then they'll be able to sort of doctor your routine and, and sort of figure out what You might be doing wrong Um, and it could be something as simple as just like how much detergent you're using or you know the loading in your washer and it's just it just makes it so much easier having a resources like that so um, I would highly recommend anyone who wants to get into reusable nappies to
0: to use that resource 100% and you also use non-disposable cloths to clean instead of using, you know, disposable wipes to, to clean him up while you're changing the nappy, you use cloths that you can clean. So what's that like? Oh
3: yeah, that's um, that's probably like the, the more simple part of things. Um, I just I just made them myself out of flannelette. It's quite absor- absorbent. I just chuck them in with the nappies anyway. It probably doesn't need the same kind of routine, but they help bulk out the load anyway, so... I know, it's really simple. They're absorbent and um, they don't block toilets and stuff. I mean, I guess they would if you flush them, but you know, you reuse them, so they wouldn't block the toilet. You know what I mean? And um, I mean, really, when you think about it, you can probably use anything. You can use face towels, you can use dish towels or napkins, or really, you know, just like an old cut-up towel from the op shop. Yeah. Companies feel like they can that they, that they they market these things to you like you know you have to have disposable wipes or you have to have this or you have to have that and really you don't need all of that kind of stuff you know you can it can just be an old towel from the op shop that's been washed keep it simple <laughs> really
0: yeah. i'm i'm encouraged by you guys because i always thought about it as like oh i wouldn't want to deal with it but you're dealing with it anyway yeah, exactly. you're dealing with it anyway when you change a nappy be it disposable or reusable you're dealing with it so yeah. you might as well deal with it a little bit more and wash that thing
3: yeah, rather than a bin full of like smelly disposables.
2: As far as I'm concerned, especially early on, because obviously, like, there's extra effort involved in doing it, and I would, you know, we're pretty much washing all the time regularly and hanging stuff up. As much as there's so much effort like why the hell would you ever use disposables It's disgusting like it's honestly just a gross thing to think about and like even like that's just one, like the financial side though too like the amount of actual literal money you would save is like so you not only do you save so much money but you're not absolutely like i don't know just filling landfill with more and more and more and more nappies and cloths too you know like all those cloths they obviously don't break down very well. So I think it's like really important that anyone do it, really. It makes sense and it used to just be the norm. Like, yeah. and it's just like society goes that way and companies want to make things disposable so they can sell more too. And then they like put it into society too. So everyone wants to do that and it's everywhere and it's like the norm to use disposables. Obviously, there's less washing, but it just doesn't feel like convenience to me at all like doing all that still lots of rubbish too and bins and things
0: and you've said before that as a dad you like to be able to contribute by doing lots of washing and stuff definitely
2: i guess it's good to be able to help and to get things done and if it's something you know it's the thing that you're doing is these cloth nappies and it's worth doing like you just and you don't want to run out like if you don't if you don't clean your nappies and you don't have your nappies dry, then you don't have any nappies. And then, like, that's just obviously a shit show. (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, you know? So uh, you just want to do it and you want to get it done. And you find ways. Like, we've definitely spent a little... Like, tonight we spent $12 at the laundromat drying them. But that's quite a lot more than normal. It got absolutely um, saturated on the line before... So it doesn't normally cost that much money to dry them. But normally we would do it in the sun, obviously. Like being summer, like you can put them up and a couple hours later they're all ready to go. Mm. We don't use a dryer at the house, no. But there is a laundromat nearby and we've used it now three times Mm. and it's just because it's been rainy and wet and stuff Mm. like that but you've used it three times and you would do a load a day probably and it's been at least 30 days yeah exactly yeah so we haven't had to go to the laundromat at all very much and being summer that makes a big difference but even in winter you're going to be clothes forcing and you get the heaters on and you do stuff like that so I'm sure once winter comes around we'll just be doing it that way. Yeah. That'd be more of an um, indicator of what cloth, cloth nappies are like in a way, I guess. Is like doing it in winter when you're having to um, get them dry and it takes longer and it's lower. Like You can put yeah. them out and a few hours later they're ready. Cloth yeah. nappies do take a bit to dry because and they because they need to be quite thick and padded so but that's fine (laughs) there's just a system to it all and it's really easy like we just have everything in place so it's just a healthy easy normal thing and it makes it makes me feel happy i don't know it just is nice Way we do it, and I like it. Yeah. They're sturdy nappies; like it's a good quality product. Yeah. You get a much better product from using a cloth nappy than the awful disposables. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really like having his nappy put on, but I personally think that he's like being they're big and thick and padded. I think it's quite comfy in them. Yeah. I'd imagine like they do need to be taut around his legs, of course, so things aren't running out. Other than that, it just like seems like a nice, thick, padded. It's like another garment, you know, whereas like disposable nappies are plastic. They sound like plastic. They would feel like, imagine what it would feel like for the kid. Like it must be so much comfortable being in nice cottons and stuff like that, (laughs) touching your skin. Like they're still just humans who are just as sensitive as adults. (laughs) They just can't communicate it.
0: That was Alex and Mark discussing their choice to use washable nappies. It turns out there are those who do think babies can communicate about their needs, and if you pay attention, you can work with even the newest newborns to be nappy-free. Nikki and Miles told me about this five years ago when they had a newborn. I'll admit that when I first heard they were doing it, honestly, I thought they were mad. But five years later, they have come out the other side, and after hearing them talk about it, I would seriously consider trying it. What made you guys think about going nappy free?
4: Basically, I was probably six months pregnant and I hadn't made a decision whether I was going to do cloth nappies like those modern ones or eco-friendly disposables. Most of my friends had done the cloth nappies, but from what I'd heard, most of them had used those for their first child and not their second. Mm. And the information research I did showed that they're not actually that sustainable if you're only using them one for one child. So I started to just get really in my head about it going, you know, cloth disposable, cloth disposable. <laughs> like I just couldn't decide. I was quite pregnant. I felt like I needed to make a decision. Yep. Um and then I, we were really into raw food at the time and I happened to, through that network, find out about nappy-free and it just felt like there was this other choice that I didn't know existed and I was quite fascinated. I think we both were. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's how we discovered it.
5: <laughs> and I think it was also pushed by not being very interested in becoming like one of those frantic parents at the back of their car with all their gear falling out of it because they've gone to the Babies Are Us shop and just bought every every little, you know, supposed baby appliance that you meant to get. Mm. Um, so we actually... For me, I went through a process of just thinking about well, what do we what do we want it to look like? You know, what do we want? What what is a baby? <laughs> what does it mean to be a baby, really, yeah. literally? Um, and that brought me or brought us both across a book called um, The Continuum Theorem by um, Jean Liedloff, and that. Looked at, uh, well, primarily, you know, like if you, you know, want to spoiler alert, um, she pretty much comes to the conclusion that most mental health problems that happen in the West are due to improper um, upbringing. Um, and that means the way that um, infants are looked after and the way that they're treated. And um, the West seem to have um you know from the early 1900s decided to change the direction on how children are looked after and rely on men in white coats rather than women who breastfed you know women who gave birth at home women who had midwives um women who had the knowledge and the and the, the you know the experience yeah and now we're in an era where, you know, breastfeeding is like a rebel cause, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I can't even believe that we're having that conversation,
0: Yeah.
5: you know, under breastfeeding public. Oh, my God, how obscene. It's like, what is this world coming to? Yeah. Like, that is crazy land. Yeah. And then, you know, pushing bottle feeding, pushing that whole agenda. And then it, that rolls into, well, what else have they pushed? So it yeah, kind of really, I think it pricked, pricked our ears up to go, well... are are we really being told wisdom here or is this just a bit of corporate information to get us to buy their products?
0: Mm, Interesting. And so the conclusion obviously was to try the nappy free. How confident were Mm. you (laughs) from when you first started?
4: (laughs) We found another fantastic book um, called Diaper Free by Ingrid Bauer. That book gave us both so much confidence to to give it a go and we were really inspired. Like um, another name for elimination communication is natural infant hygiene so it also started to point to the fact that this is actually um a more hygienic way of dealing with the whole nappy not nappy thing
5: well it's it's dealing with how what is what is a child going to the toilet what does it mean Mm. and for some reason the west have decided that uh pooping uh, and keeping it close to your skin (laughs) is you know, is vital for the first couple of years. (laughs) When you put it that
0: way, it seems so crazy, doesn't it? It's mental.
5: It's mental. (laughs) It's really, truly, it is truly mental. And we, I think we were lucky enough to experience our daughter did a poop in a nappy once and we got to open it and smell it and it was just totally mad it smelled so intense compared to all the little poops that we'd been used to mm. up until that point
4: I don't even remember that one time oh, I do because <laughs> okay. I, no, I
5: remember seeing the poop not just being at the back it was at the front as well and I'm like that's not good you know that's females shouldn't have that happening that's bad and that's what the nappy did but it also added this like she wouldn't have gone unchanged for an, a, a, any sort of time but even in that short period of time, it somehow like made it smell so bad, and I just think of babies that have their parents leaning over them for the first two and a half years pulling faces of yeah. disgust or at least mm. trying to hold their lunch in while they do it you know what's the baby going to think of that it's going to think anything whatever's down below there there's something wrong yeah, you know yeah. and how does that carry into our Even lives the, as adults the
4: terminology for it that it's an accident it's actually no accident that we go to the toilet or that an infant needs to go to the toilet it's and completely necessary so yeah, in elimination communication, um, they call, you know the term we use more is um, we have we've had a miss if we miss. Yeah, and and I think that's so much. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's very gentle. It's a very gentle way of going about it. Yeah, the
0: language itself is kinder. <laughs> to well, we yeah. yeah,
4: but even the whole method feels um, very gentle. Um, it's about tuning into your baby, and it become like a lot of people couldn't get their head around that when we said we tune in, but I know so many mums or, you know, and parents in general that will know when their baby's hungry. Yeah, they, You just know the cry, you know, the movement, you know, the, um the feeling that you get. It's like they're hungry. You just know. Mm. And it was the same. And of course, just like with feeding or sleeping, you can get it wrong sometimes, but I felt like it really just deepened our connection to our daughter really?
5: Oh, hugely. Like I, I would say that it is a monumental deepening of connection with another life form because um, th- that really is a huge thing that sits around and underpins something like um, elimination communication or natural infant hygiene, is that you You listen to your child. Like you actually mm. listen to them. Whenever they, when it, when they make a noise, you listen to them. It's like, what are they trying to communicate right now? Mm. You know, whereas the the kind of, you know, on the street normal speak is, oh, babies just do that. Babies just make noise for no reason. They cry for no reason. They, you know, you, you know let them just cry it out. They'll get used to it. Oh, look, they went to sleep. How good is that? You just close the door and put your headphones on. Yeah. And all of that kind of um, construction around how you're meant to treat a child yeah. to mm-hmm. what is the real experience of the parent and especially the mother who is feeling this stuff more, you know, feels like Nikki was saying, when the child needs to eat or like feels literally feels child, it in your, in your breasts, <laughs> literally yeah,
4: that too. Yeah. Yeah.
5: I, I honestly believe that this grows our ability to be intuitive and this mm. grows our ability to um, communicate ah. without words and without, symbols or anything it's actually another ability that we have and (laughs) there are so many reasons why it's completely the absolute best thing to do and the emphasis that I came across over and over again is that it's about the rights of the child and I'm not talking about rights as in let them do everything you want but it's about the rights of a child to be heard and to be responded to Mm.
0: That's a really interesting point. So tell me about. I'm sure that people listening will be going, "Oh my God, how does it even work? Like, surely there's just mess (laughs) everywhere." So, what what is the practicalities of it? What's the daily routine of it? So
4: basically, you know, when they're when they're very little, like when we first brought Remedy home, I have to admit that my confidence (laughs) dropped a little bit. Like I was like going, "Oh, you know," and it was really Miles that said, "Come on, let's just try this."
5: And you're a new mum. I was a new mum dealing with all the firsts. You know.
4: and so he um, he picked her up, and we didn't even have a potty, and he put her over a little honey pot, yeah. a little bucket, <laughs> and we just watched her switch on, hmm. and she even at just was a couple of days old. She was four, a few days old, four days old, yeah, four days old, and she switched on, and we both saw it. It's like she's alert, and she went. And I think we did the cue that we'd learned, like you make a yeah, noise, make the, whatever so the, feels right for you.
5: Yeah, and the noises that we liked were for for we it was. Yeah. You know, so it's like that sound. Very subtle. Um, and we, what do we go for poo? Kaka. Yeah. Yeah. French.
4: So <laughs> we went French. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, right yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did this the first time, and I think because the response was so positive from her. Um, we both just, we were, we were both just laughing, really. We were so happy and we were just like, yeah, we're going to give this a crack. So I guess, you know, at first it was just trying, you know, feeling it out. And then after a while, you start to learn their cues and they give you cues. Like, mm. yeah, actually, as, as, as probably by six months, if we weren't listening to Remedy's um, cue for a number two, she would squeal. She started to get louder. And I just remember going, oh, my gosh, she's really um, letting us know. And that's when we'd missed it. You know, usually we would know before that. Yeah, um, That's
5: miss the cue, not miss the poem. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just try like, you know, I think it's different for everyone. Like you can try um, with routine. Like you might want to, like in, my, in the evening um, or in the middle of the night, mm. I would feed and then put her on or... At other times, I would, you know, try her on the potty and then feed. Um, And you get into a routine. And I think what was so beautiful is that sometimes you would get into a rhythm more than a routine, I think. And it would feel like um, that rhythm would last like even five months Mm. where it was just very, very predictable. Um, and it was just so wonderful because I could, you know, she she didn't wear a nappy most of the time. I mean, it was very rare we had a nappy on her.
5: Yeah, or we'd put a nappy on to make other people feel comfortable, yeah. which was kind of lame in ret- retrospect. Yeah. Um, but, well,
4: it made us feel comfortable. But you're out too in that,
5: yeah, we're out in like the unknown land where people are just like, you know, they think it's preposterous that. You haven't got a nappy on a child. Yeah, and
0: people are very ready to judge parents for anything already. So, And that is one yes. of the more extreme sort of parenting things to try. Yeah.
5: But it's not. That's the thing. <laughs> Half of the world Half does the it. Half the world do this. And that was the other thing it, we discovered. It, and it was the only way it was done up until, you know, like the coming of the guys with the white coats. Yeah, like sure. It really was the way that everybody did it. For it to be revolutionary is seems preposterous as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, really?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's funny how far around we've come. Yeah. Mm. So when you went out to the shops or to someone's house, how did you manage it in those sort of situations?
4: I think that's where sometimes, especially I found even quite a lot with family, <laughs> um, if if we were kind of going to get these kind of unsure looks when people were holding her, if it made them uncomfortable, I would put a nappy on her mm. and I ended up, you know, just getting some of the eco disposable nappies, but we'd reuse them like yeah, quite that, a few so times because they, they didn't get soiled. Yeah. So um, we were just reusing them. <laughs> Until um, the, the
5: Velcro Yeah, the stuff Velcro would usually give anymore.
4: before we had to change it for any other reason. Wow, that's amazing. And then there were, she didn't really like long car trips anyway, so I didn't really put the nappy on her in the car very much. We had, you know, like I had cloth nappies too that I would sometimes sit under her just in case. Mm. And we got also, we also got
5: some little like, Tra- uh, they're not training underwear, but they were—they're just sort of like terry toweling underwear, but they are for kids who were meant to be three or four or something, you know. So if they had a little drip we miss just or something, we just found really
4: small ones. Um,
5: but we found that we got them in the smallest size we could get, <laughs> yeah. And um, and we'd put her in those sometimes. Mm. So. But
4: to give you an example of what it often looked like was um, if we were going somewhere, we'd usually at some point pull over on the side of the road, put mm. her in a position um, that was comfortable for her, and do a bushway and. And I think that sometimes we were marvelling at how we got to stop and just be in nature for a moment. It was actually a really pleasant little pit stop on the way. And we tried
5: to pick somewhere nice. It wouldn't be like (laughs) on the edge of the freeway with trucks going past. It Mm. would be, oh, let's pull off. Let's find a nice pull-off area and find a nice gum tree or something. Yeah. You know, she'd just do a wee, jump back in the car. Or sometimes we'd have to dig a little hole and she'd do a poo. <laughs> we also had a little potty in the back yeah. of the car. Yeah. We'd kind of travel with that as well um, because it was just easier to, you know, for at somebody's house to use the potty. But, you know, we'd hold her under her knees or under her legs behind the knees in like a swing position. Is yeah. that how you describe it? Yeah. Um, so you'd be supporting her and her back would be leaning against your chest and then you just hold her. So she'd be facing backwards on the toilet, basically. You know, right. her face would be facing towards the cistern. Yeah. And then she could just do a wee or a poo that way. And we, So we would use toilets like that yeah. for her.
4: Yeah, wow. Even when she was very little, we could, at someone's house, just use their toilet. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, it was very... It was actually very convenient. <laughs> like, I never felt like it was difficult really um, and you know there were those f- there were a few misses and I have to say at you know sometimes I did experience some embarrassment because I knew what I was doing was unusual yeah. but I had to remind myself that a lot of people will go through this when their child is three or f- four whenever they're potty training so absolutely, um, I yeah. kind of gave myself a little bit of concession it's like you know she's six months old we had a miss you know yeah. whatever but also yeah. <laughs> people who
0: use nappies sometimes the poo goes everywhere and Exactly, you know, it's oh, still God. a miss. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, that's
5: all that's a miss, true. yeah, because the clean-up is mega, you know, Yeah. I imagine, with nappies. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas this, the clean-up is like a regular person who yeah. goes to the toilet, like there's, you know, it's just a little wipe done, you know.
4: And especially when they're very little. I mean, the, the, they're not having solid foods yet, so, yeah, it doesn't you smell know, it doesn't smell like no, it's very Wii, different.
5: Even the wee doesn't doesn't yeah. have that acrid smell, smell that it gets um, when they get a little bit older because they're eating m- more, much more solid solid food Mm. but she was she breastfed till she was what three or four or
0: something and in terms of other people minding your child have you been in the position where you don't need to have her in daycare or anything like that is that we yeah she's never been in daycare. it doesn't
5: fit in with with our (laughs) philosophy of parenting yeah um which comes from that continuum theorem um kind of study in a way which is that the child Needs its connection to to its parents. It's not about the parents helicoptering or being around all the time, but it's about the child needs to know that there is at least the you know the mother there um, at a certain distance, and they can choose the distance that they move away. So we. and that's it,
4: what felt right for us. I mean, I yeah. don't judge other people that sure. needed to you know have their children in daycare or you know if there's grandparents involved. We didn't have them very close by, grandparents, mm. but. You know, there were, I mean, was there anyone else that ever took her really to the toilet? I can't even remember. Oh,
5: took her to the toilet?
4: I think it was mainly just you. Just
5: grandparents, I think.
4: Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, as she got older, she was very toilet independent quite early. So Mm. she would just sort of go herself,
0: really. But You guys are obviously lucky enough to still be together (laughs) while you're raising the kids. So there's two of you. And it sounds like, Nikki, you were more stay at home and Miles was probably still out and about um, earning some money. Do you think it would work for other people in other situations? You mentioned earlier that sort of like the mother should be within a certain radius, but it wouldn't matter which parent it was as long as that parental connection's there.
4: Absolutely not. And I think the diaper-free book that I mentioned before really talks to that a lot. So basically, you know, there's even, um, you know, people with special needs that have done it for their children. You know, a man in a wheelchair who was able to do it for his daughter. And I and I, I think that, you know, if grandparents were involved, that they can get more involved and um, in that part of it. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, obviously, getting someone in daycare looking after your child <laughs> yeah. to do it might be a stretch. But, um <laughs> We, we were able, we were in a position where we were able to do it full-time, but I understand for some people that's not possible. You know, you could do it part-time or whatever, just, you know, just tune in. I mean, even if your child didn't have to wear a nappy overnight, I think that would be huge. I mean, just yeah. to see a child, a baby especially, be sleeping yeah, a without, without, a, without a nappy on yeah. is just so special. You just realize how much their legs have to be apart all the time
5: yeah and yeah the freedom of their body because a nappy is a big chunk of wad to have between your legs you know it's like it's really you know if you're trying to walk or if you're crawling or if you're like you know sleeping it's a big fat chunky thing
4: and we've come to see it as kind of cute you know that the babies have this waddle yeah. but Remedy never had the waddle <laughs> like she didn't have it yeah. and I think once she put on a nappy for um for fun and I saw how much it changed her walk And I was like, oh, geez, like that's, that's significant. And in fact, a lot of people that we ended up sharing it with that were Uh, older um. admitted that when they were doing cloth nappies and had to wash them, they were more tuned into number twos because they were like, oh, I don't want to have to wash it. So they would actually start to know when their child needed to go rip the nappy off and put them on a potty. Mm. So um, we discovered that was more and more common. Yeah. um, And
5: that's a technique talked about in the book as well, which is mm. use a cloth nappy without a cover. If you're going to use any sort of nappy, so that you are aware of as soon as they yeah. go, because it's not about hiding it away. It's not about like you know, able to absorb 15 litres of wee and you never know, um, because you want to know. Because you want to go, yeah. oh, that noise they made, and then they weed, and yeah. it, so you're actually learning through the process of what we would see as mistakes as well. Yeah. You know, it's not a mistake. It's like that was they or they prompted you and you didn't hear it. But they prompted you and there it is. And that's okay. It's just a bit of wee. No worries. Wipe it up. You know, new new cloth nappy on and, um, you know, better luck next time. But if you can take
4: that nappy off altogether, that's when you're really cooking with gas because that's when I, yeah, there were times, you know, because sometimes there's just times in your life where you're like, I need to just have a break or, you know, we would put a cloth nappy on. You know, if we were having lots of misses, um, it's just like, oh. And usually uh, the routine had changed. She might have been teething or something had come up, you know, or I was out of sorts and I just um, was having a lot of misses and it gets difficult. And we'd just put the nappy back on. But eventually it's like, oh, we've got to take this off. Otherwise, I don't know what's going on, you know. (laughs) So if you can take it off altogether, then that's the best case scenario. But if not, then, yeah, just work with what you can do. And I really recommend that book. Like yeah, yeah. It's an awesome, it's
5: an awesome book. It's even got a good story in it about um and you know somebody being on a bus in Africa and watching how the women with newborns yeah. would um you know get off the bus at a certain point and they call it peeing. They'd pee their baby so they'd hold the baby in the position do the noise. The baby would go it would go to the toilet, then they'd just get back on the bus with them. So mm. You know, even in challenging circumstances like that, where you you know you're tra- having to travel you know vast distances using public transport, and you know the mum's just there only um, with a child that you know these so-called third world countries are um, able to manage it without their saris or whatever they're wearing getting covered in wee or poo because they've been practicing it and their parents would have practiced it and it would have been practiced on them and,
0: and also their society expects it they're like oh yeah there's the women with babies yeah. getting off the bus they'll be back on in a minute
5: absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely and they all do
0: it
4: they all get off i, I don't think it's even just newborns just everyone gets off well,
5: that's true. to yeah.
4: relieve the children and uh, or the babies and, yeah, and they all get back on and yeah amazing it's just just think of how much waste we could reduce by not using Uh, that piece. You know, with the whole virus thing, like, mm. you know, it was interesting how all the um, hygiene products went first yeah. and I
0: I really thought oh. of people with nappies going,
4: Oh my God, that would have been such a stress for yeah. people That's who true. were relying on nappies. But it's not just oh, wow. the
0: nappies, it's the baby wipes and the, everything else that goes with oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's right. baby, yeah. baby yeah. wipes. And it's like you can use right. cloth, yeah. you know, and wash it. Yeah. yeah we, we, oh, we didn't we never, we never We never used baby we wipes. We had um just a little wipe that we'd keep in a little
4: Ziploc bag and we just reused that. Yeah. Or washed it well, off have it, when have I we reused it. And anyway. we'd have a few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like wipes. We never used wipes.
5: Yeah, they stink too much.
0: I know. I hate those fake scents. But those you know, floral actually. fake. Oh, yeah. Supposedly nice smells. Yeah. And how do you think it would play out if you had another baby?
5: I think it would be um, even easier because there wouldn't be all the doubt. Um, mm. We wouldn't have to, uh, well, for a start, we wouldn't, buy any, we wouldn't buy any nappies and we wouldn't need to worry about it as much.
4: I think every child's different too. I mean, I'm aware that with another child... could be more difficult. um I if think, it was
5: a boy to be a bit.
4: Yeah, difficult. they say if it's um, a boy, it can be more challenging. Well,
5: yeah, you need a, um, sheet, a sheet over the top. A sheet so you over the top and top stuff. Don't but get the fountain effect. Even
4: that aside, I feel um, <laughs> it's like anything. Like obviously, if you have two children, you've got more work on your hands. But then you've got the confidence of already having done it once. But that said, I think if someone had already, you know, already has a child and wanted to give it a crack, I would encourage them because I think it's just such a blessing. <laughs> really, like oh, yeah,
5: it's next. You know, it's when you see
4: level. yeah. When and you see um, i mean anyone who's feeling sick every time they put a disposable nappy in the t- in you know in the rubbish bin oh or who's yeah. just beside themselves having to wash nappies all the time mm. I just think, just give it a go, even if you don't even do it all the time. Like, yeah, I just think but it's, you know, if you can just start to read that cue, um, it's so obvious once you know it. And the other thing is, like, yeah. I know that for a lot of people, um, nappies seem more convenient. It's like you get to change them when you're available. But at the same time, once you've got a really good, connection and communication about the toilet i could encourage our daughter to go before i went out like before we got in the car it's like i would just sort of go let's let's just try now and she would you know go and then we didn't have to worry about it out mm. and about so yeah it worked both ways the oh, communication works both ways the,
5: yeah and the advantage i think is absolutely it's not measurable because i think we'll we'll discover because um Remedy's only five and a half now, but as she gets older and older, I think we'll see other benefits that come from um, from being available to have that level of communication with them. You know that they know that they're listened to. You know I think a lot of problems that children exhibit and the cliches in our society come from basically a a. a a way of parenting that everybody's doing. So nobody knows any different. So the cliches are true because everybody's kind of doing the, I don't want to say torturing their children or something like that, because it's really, it's not really about that. And it's not about judgment, but it is about looking at, well, you know, where do, where is the information coming from? for what we're doing you know i mean mm. are are four-year-old training pants a great idea should we be extending the life of children in these kind of keep keep you poo and wee close to your body situations or mm. um you know when when do we take a breath and go oh well who thought of baby you know baby formula should we be feeding our baby formula should you be using nappies what are you know what mm. even down to what food should we feed and all those things and we know that in our society so many things have been questioned now from is the government doing the right thing do they really care are they working for a big business and mm. you know like there are huge questions that need to be asked and some of the hugest questions i think are the smallest questions you know how pure is our water and are we looking after our children in the best possible way mm.
0: That was Nikki and Miles talking about the elimination communication method or nappy free. I had one last question for these two. Do you feel like your daughter has less of a need to make poo and wee jokes than other kids? No, 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 no not at all. Definitely not. No, poo and wee
5: jokes are—they're are in the top ten, top five, actually. I all think right. I would—I could say they're probably a top two position. Yeah, no, nah,
4: that's—that's a separate thing. There's that, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Salt, 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 Salt.
1: salt, salt, salt. Grassroots. 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 Grassroot.
0: Grassroot. Grassroot. Salt of the earth people. Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. My name is Alison Hanley and I have been your host today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. This has been part one of a mini series about beginnings and endings. Tune in next week for part two, which is all about endings. I'll be talking to a local funeral home about sustainable funerals and also to an artist who has, as a major artwork, created and decorated her own shroud for future use. If you are interested in any of the books, articles or websites mentioned in the show, you can find links to them in the episode description at saltgrass.podbean.com. You can follow us on Facebook or subscribe to our emailing list to get reminders and updates about the show. Email us at SaltgrassPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have ideas for topics, know someone amazing we should talk to, have a recycling tip, a green product review, or have a song recommendation. Again, email us at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. This program was produced in partnership with the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, MASG, and Main FM. It should be noted that the statements and opinions of myself and the people I interview are not the official positions held by either Main FM or MASC. We welcome feedback and responses to the ideas expressed on the show. If you would like to respond to something discussed on the program, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com.